Well, happy Easter. I hope you all have a great experience here today. By the way, after we are done with worship today, in the breezeway, there will be lots of food. We've catered in some, uh, some pastries and Starbucks and things like that. We'd love for you to spend some time, hang out here, make a few relationships while you're here today. You'll also notice uh, in, the, uh, in the conference room, which is the room just behind the Welcome Center this morning, after the service, we will be having a nice photo booth set up. Uh, flashbulb photography is going to be here, and we'll be taking photos. You can actually go in with your family, take a nice serious shot or a funny shot if you want, and they'll actually give you the photo that you can take home with you to remember your day-to-day. So please feel free to take advantage of that stuff between 10 and 11 o'clock this morning. My name is David Hillis. I'm the lead pastor here, and on behalf of the staff here today, we welcome you to Grace Community. Let me start this morning by asking you a seemingly insignificant question. What do you think is the color of Easter? What do you think is the color of Easter? Now, with Christmas, it's kind of easy, right? It's, it's red and green. Or some people think it's silver and gold. I'm not sure which it is. But it's one of those, right? But what, what is the color of Easter? You know, when I was a kid, my mom used to do these little pause kits to color Easter eggs. Do any of you remember these? Maybe some of you are my, as old as I am or older. Do you remember these? Do they even still make these things? They do. Okay. They, I didn't realize that. So I, I remember at least back then they had these little fizz tablets in them, right? These different pastel colors. And they had this little wire gadget about the size of... The engineering wasn't very good, at least back when I was growing up, with this little wire gadget. It's about the size of your finger that you're supposed to use to take this egg and dip it or baptize it in this fizz juice, Right? And then it would turn into this beautiful dyed egg. And I remember watching my mom dye these eggs and put them in. You know, even back then, they had the, the pause box was even very eco-friendly. The, the, there were holes that would punch out of the back of the box, remember, so you could dry the eggs on it. But I would watch my mom dye these eggs, and there were always all these beautiful pastel colors. And then when she would dress me up on Easter, which I always hated, by the way, she would dress me up in all these beautiful pastel colors, you know, And so I just figured the color of Easter must be pastel, Uh, lavender, pink, oh, I hated the pink, Uh, blue and and light green. But I've learned since then that pastel is not the color of Easter. And I'm going to explain that a little bit later. Lately at Grace, we've been going through a series called By Faith. And what we're learning through this experience is what it means to live by faith. We're learning that faith is more than just a a set of religious beliefs. And it's even more than this passive hope that something might be true or might happen at some point in the future. We've learned that faith is kind of like a muscle. If you don't work it out, if you don't use it, it doesn't grow and it can actually start to weaken. Sometimes even when God promises us things, it still can be hard to have faith. Right? Especially when we're waiting for the answer for a really long time. In recent days, here at Grace Community Church, we've created a faith wall, which you might see behind you, off to your left, where people have been posting up there in the last several days the things that they need faith for, that they need to see God do in their lives, the things that they believe God has promised them. And if you'd like to add to that wall after the service today, feel free to take one of the little notes and put up there what, the, what promises you believe God has given you that you're still waiting to see come to pass. Or you can flip open your web browser, as, as Sue was saying earlier, to mygrace.church. 
You can actually feel free to do that today uh, during the message. I, it's totally fine. Feel free to use it during the service. But in the sermon notes tab there, you'll see the notes for the service. You'll also see at the very bottom of the sermon notes, there's a place where you can leave comments. And if you, make, if you leave a, a faith message there, we'll be glad to put that up on the board for you a little bit later this week. So today, we're going to build on that idea. We're going to see today that faith involves action. We're going to see that faith is a partnership with God as we choose to give it all to the one who gave his all for us. And I'm going to begin this morning with the story of a prostitute and a red rope. It began in 1400 B.C. Those who were following after God were living in a desert east of Egypt. And God miraculously had delivered the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. There was like over a million of them. And the story goes, God parted the Red Sea in half so that the Israelites could walk through the Red Sea on dry land. And when the Egyptians came after them to attack them, the seas closed behind them and destroyed them. And after all of that, of seeing all these miracles, they journeyed on to the place that God had promised them, their promised land. But when they got there, they saw other people there. And they lost all of their faith in their God, and they just decided to wander around in the desert for 40 years. Now, Joshua becomes leader after Moses dies, and he tells the Israelites, come on, guys, God has already given us this land. Let's just go and claim it. it it's ours. And Joshua sends a couple of guys, a couple of Navy SEAL types, to scout out the land and to do some recon. And somehow, while they're out there, they find this little town called Jericho. And they go into the town and they find this lady of the night, this prostitute named Rahab. Now, Rahab isn't like everyone else for more reasons than one. Would you believe that this woman actually believes in God? Go figure. The only woman in town, the only person in town who actually believes in God, and it's the local town prostitute. Now, Rahab doesn't know much of anything about this God of the Israelites, but she had heard about him. And that was enough for her to have faith in him. They'd actually all heard about the stories of the Israelites and their God. They had been talking about, them, about this God for years. With all the miraculous stuff like the seas parting and the Egyptian army being destroyed, you didn't need Snapchat or, or Facebook or CNN back in those days to tell, to tell a story like that. I mean, stories like that, they spread. And people had been talking about this God of theirs for 40 years. And the people of Jericho were still talking about this God, and they were scared of it. But not Rahab. While the people of Jericho were seized with fear, Rahab was led by faith. She wasn't living for God yet. She didn't even know how. But what she did know about this God, she chose to believe. Now, story goes, the king of this little town of Jericho finds out that these spies are there. And the king sends out his soldiers to try to find these two spies and seize them so that they can kill them. And Rahab discovers this and she decides to hide these two spies up on her roof under a pile of flax. The soldiers show up. They ask where these two spies are. And this lady Rahab just says, you know what, I, I think I saw them heading out of town. 
Maybe if you chase, go run out the gates of the town and you chase, you run fast enough, maybe you'll find them. And she saved their lives that day. And when she later gets back to the roof, listen to what she tells these two spies in Joshua chapter 2, verse 9. She says, I know the Lord has given you this land. She told them, we are here are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard that the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. God had given the people of Jericho 40 years to come to faith in him. And only the local prostitute chose to believe. Everyone else was just scared of him. Now, James in the New Testament writes this. He says, you see then, it is by our actions that we are put right with God and not by our faith alone. It was the same with the prostitute Rahab. She was put right with God through her actions by welcoming the Israelite spies and helping them to escape by a different road. So then, James says, as the body without the spirit is dead, then also faith without actions is dead. Faith involves action. Faith is a partnership as we choose to give it all to the one who gave it all for us. Rahab chose to risk it all. And now her faith encourages her to ask the spies for protection. She's like, guys, I know when you come back again, it's going to be all over. And so the spies say, well, Rahab, here's what you do. Take this red rope and hang it outside the window of your home. And if you hang the rope outside, the red rope outside your window, you will be saved. A red rope. I mean, as you heard this story, you might wonder, what's this all about? You see, there's a storyline that weaves all through the Bible about the color red. Forty years before, when the Israelites' parents and grandparents left Egypt, God instructed them to put red on the door frames of their homes, to smear lamb's blood over it so that they could be saved, delivered, as an angel of death came during the night. All of the firstborn who without red over the doors, died. Thousands of people, Egyptians, woke up that next morning to dead family members. It was so bad that the Egyptian pharaoh actually told the Israelites to leave, to leave Egypt, though he later changed his mind and chased after them. God used that event to set them free from slavery in Egypt after centuries of being slaves. And this event was called the Passover as death passed over the homes of those who displayed the red. The similarity of these two stories is striking. The red rope outside Rahab's home showed that she had faith in God, just as the red blood of a lamb outside the Hebrew homes showed that they had faith 
in God. And in both cases, their faith saved them. What they didn't know, though, was that the story wasn't over there. Fast forward some 14, 1500 years later, God's people were still celebrating the Passover every year at that time. And, th and they were doing so in the land that God had given them, the Israelites, in the days of Rahab. In Luke 22, it says that Jesus was with them in this promised land, celebrating this Passover meal, retelling the story. When he says that they, he told them that it wouldn't just be lamb's blood that they saw the next day. That there would be red actually everywhere. Jesus was then arrested a few hours later. And the next morning a crown of thorns was driven into his skull. And he was stripped and flogged with a whip of metal and bone. Till his back was torn to shreds. Red was everywhere that day. As he hung nailed to a cross, ribbons of red flowed from his back and his feet down the crossbeam to the ground like red rope below him. I say that because in the days of the early church, they used red rope regularly as a visual to represent Christ's blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. In each story, red is the color of redemption. As people are redeemed, as they are saved from death. The Israelites, and then Rahab and her family, and then through Jesus, the whole world. Everyone who chooses to live by faith can be saved because Jesus died to pay for our sins. In each story, the red shows that God's grace extends to any person who decides to put their faith and trust in Christ, regardless of their past. The Bible says in Romans 6 that the wages of sin is death. And it says in Galatians 3 that Christ's choice was to die on a cross. And that was God's plan for him all along. It was a sacrifice for us. But let me clarify this morning. Let me clarify. As important as that was, that is not why we're here today. That is not why we celebrate Easter. As important as the crucifixion was, as meaningful as it was, it means nothing if Jesus isn't risen. Without the resurrection, the crucifixion is nothing more than just another bloody, gruesome story like so many other crucifixions that happened in that time of uh, the past in Israel. People whose stories have long since been forgotten. Listen to these words this morning from the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let this sink in this morning. It says this, If Christ has not been raised, then all of our preaching is useless, and your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection from the dead. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of all of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in this world. 
You see, without the resurrection, there is no Christianity. It all becomes a ruse. There is no point to faith. There's no point of even being here today or any other day. This passage tells us that if Jesus isn't risen from the dead, then there is no hope in this world. If someone you love is dying of cancer, or if someone you love is taken in an accident suddenly, and there is no resurrection, and there is no faith, then there's no hope of ever seeing them again. They die and that's it. It's over. All the nice words, oh, he, he's in a better place. It's a lie. He isn't in a better place. He isn't anywhere. He's gone. Lights out. Oh, you'll see him again one day. No, you won't. If there's no resurrection, if there's no reason for faith, you won't be seeing anything when you die either. There's no hope. And without the resurrection, without faith, life doesn't even have any meaning. I mean, think about it. All of this would just then be some random happenstance. Life in all of its rich, intricate forms, the earth that we live on, its perfect placement from the sun, all of it is just accidental physics and chemistry. That means you and I are nothing more than a, a bag of atoms with no real significance. King Solomon, the richest and wisest person who ever lived in his day, he looked for meaning in life apart from God. And he wrote in the book of Ecclesiastes that he found that all of it was completely meaningless apart from God. Writer Leo Tolstoy said the exact same thing. He came to this realization. He said, my question, which is at the age of 50, brought me to the verge of suicide, was the simplest of questions. It was, what will, be, what will come of what I am doing today or tomorrow? What will come of my whole life? Why should I live? Why should I wish for anything or do anything? It can also be expressed thus, he said. Is there any meaning in my life that the inevitable death awaiting me does not destroy? Now, I'm sorry to depress you this morning. But hang on, it gets worse. <laughs> Without faith, you aren't really you either. You aren't really you. If, if all this happened by accidental biology and chemistry, you aren't really you because that means you have no soul. The notion of a soul has no meaning. What atheist Christopher Hitchens said would, would then be true. You don't have a body. You are a body. And that's all. If I'm not made uniquely by God, if I'm nothing more than just a bunch of random DNA put together that dictates what I say and do in any moment, if, if, if I have no soul, then when my body dies, when it powers down, there's no more David. There's nothing left but a little pile of rotting DNA. And lastly, without faith, our deepest desires, guys, they make no sense. We long in this life for peace and for transcendence and for forgiveness. We crave in our souls for something more. But, but wait, if you don't have a soul, then why are you bothering with such longings? Why be concerned in this life with things like justice? Without faith, if there's nothing greater to guide us, then what's even the point of compassion? 
If this world is governed by nothing more than natural selection, then who cares? The strong preying on the weak should be applauded. That's how it should be, right? Why, why care about the baby that is born premature? It's just a biological misfire. Just let it go. Why spend tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to save that life, right? Just make another one. You see, without faith, without the resurrection, none of this makes any sense. Listen, if Jesus isn't resurrected, then there is no redemption. There is no hope. Life has no meaning. You aren't really you. And your desires, they don't make any sense. We might then, as King Solomon said, chase after meaning elsewhere in wealth or power or or fame, in fun or distraction, anything to try to make sense of this. But it would still be a meaningless search, though, wouldn't it? A grasping for one thing after another that leaves us hollow inside. For too long, I've wandered. For too long, I've roamed. I've looked for fulfillment but found no home. My heart, my soul grieving. I've struggled with believing, buying into all of this deceiving. And the lies keep pouring in. They told me I'd be okay. If I made enough money at the end of the day, if I got that promotion, if I got that new car, if I got that house with that dog in the yard, I'd be fine. But they lied. Because somewhere inside, I'm empty. I need more than what I have. And I'm not even looking for material things. I've had enough of that. I need something deeper, something realer, something that's more than what I'm feeling. Because right now, I'm lost. Honestly. I mean, I've heard that Jesus died for me, but what does that even mean? Doesn't everybody die? What makes this man so special? What makes him what I need? What makes his blood more powerful when he bleeds? I want to know. I want to understand. So I'm here on this day to find out. I mean, is it true? Did he really raise from the grave? Did he really heal the blind and the lame? Did he really make the world? Did he really calm the seas? If this is true, then he is what I need. So on this day, I choose to believe, not in a fairy tale, not in a lie, but in hope, in hope that he really did rise, in faith that he is who he says he is, in faith that he rose, in faith he ascended and is preparing us a home. If all this is true, then I want to know him. So it turns out... That the color of Easter is red. Because red is the color of redemption. The red on the doorposts saved God's people from death and led the way to the promised land. The red rope saved Rahab and her family when she decided to put her faith with the Israelites in God. She joined them. She married an Israelite. And the Bible says that she ultimately became an ancestor to Jesus himself. 
Red reminds us of what Easter is all about. How Jesus paid it all for us on the cross and on Easter defeated death and rose again. We might think that Easter is the color of pastels as the little pause kits remind us uh, in our, uh, on Easter morning. But for Christians in the East, Christians who live in Eastern Europe and in the Middle East for centuries, you know what color they color their Easter eggs? Red. To remind themselves of this story. So may you remember this morning that red is the color of Easter and why that is. May you remember God's storyline in the Bible and how red is the color of redemption. May you remember how much faith matters and how Jesus is all that you need. Faith involves action. It's a partnership with God as we choose to give it all to the one who gave his all for us. I hope this morning that you choose to believe and watch God put your life on a trajectory that brings peace and joy and promise and fulfillment. I would encourage you this morning, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus, to do so today. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you this morning for this day, for this beautiful Easter morning as we remind ourselves once again that you aren't dead, but that you are risen. We are thankful today that we serve a risen Savior, one who came and lived on this earth, gave us his life as an example, and ultimately offered that life up for us so that we could truly live. God, we offer our lives to you today. We give it all to you as an offering, as a sacrifice to you. We ask that you would use our lives, turn them into a grand adventure as we set out with you and discover what it means to truly live by faith. This morning, if you are here with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you have never said yes to Jesus, I want to encourage you this morning to make that decision. Maybe, maybe you've never offered your heart and your life to Christ. Maybe you've wrestled with faith. You've thought it was just more that faith was nothing more than just a religious exercise. It was a set of beliefs. And you're starting to recognize today that faith is more than that. It's not in a bunch of beliefs, but it's in a, it's a person. What would it look like for you today to say yes to that God? To put your faith, your trust in Him. Even though you can't see Him either. Maybe, maybe you gave your heart and your life to Christ years ago. Maybe even as a kid. And today, for some whatever reason, God has you back in a church. God has you back here at Grace. Uh, to experience grace yourself. To discover that it's not about what you've done, the mistakes you've made, but by who you place your faith and trust. What would it look like for you this morning to recommit your heart, your life to Him? If that's you this morning, if God's asking you to take that step and make that commitment, to take a step closer to Him in faith today, I want to encourage you to just, with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just raise your hand and look at me this morning so that I can know you're there and I can be praying with you this morning? Praise God. Anyone else? Yes. Yes, I see those hands. 
For those of you who are making that decision today, I just want you to encourage you to pray this prayer with me from the bottom of your heart. Heavenly Father, I come to you today. God, I, I thank you that you brought me here today. A place where I can experience grace, experience relationships, and experience life. God, I thank you for this incredible story. This storyline through the Bible about redemption and red and how it's there for me. That all I have to do is to place my faith, my, my trust in it, in you, and all is well. God, today I do place my faith, my trust in Jesus. I ask that you would forgive me of all of my sins, all those things that I have done that have brought you sadness and pain. God, I ask that you would forgive me of all of my sins. And I, Lord, I ask that you would fill me with your spirit and begin to change me from the inside out. Make me, Lord, into the man or woman of God that you have called me to be. And God, this day, this day marks a new chapter in my life. This day, I press the reset button. This day, I start life anew, not on my own, in my own strength, but in you. And I look forward to walking this journey, this adventure with you. In Jesus' name, amen.